All right, we're just going to rehash one of the announcements this morning. Um, so this isn't anything against Mitch. <laughs> but remember how he put his hat on the other way around today because he was Mitch, the announcement guy? First day doing it. And um, we actually did have a power slide for that, for the bunt, the family gathering for the Baptist Union. So why I wanted to just really highlight this to you is that it is just going to be a great time if you involve yourself. Just make the decision today, yep, I'm going to go along. Um, this is put on by the Baptist Union of the Northern Territory. We've got some excellent speakers up this year, both the main speakers, uh, which we'll go to the next slide. So here's our main speakers, Brian Harris and John Bergman from Avenir Leadership. So we've got the keynote speaker is Brian, and he will also be doing the dinner. So if you uh, book for the dinner, he is speaking. So we'll be around tables, and we'll also be getting a message that's inspirational on that night. And John is more youth. So the Friday night, so if we can go to the next slide. This is our schedule a little bit. Uh, it says panel down the bottom, disregard that. Uh, but it's sort of a family and youth-focused event Friday night. It starts at 530 really actually the as you can see there's a barbecue before and what it is is a chance for us to gather together with the other baptist churches of the northern territory to have a good time and a good meal with them um and then saturday two sessions only with a breakout session in the middle which is led by people from baptist world aid uh, from baptist missions australia um, and a couple of others as well that that that'll be there just talking about those things, what's it like in the culture that we're in to swim against the tide, which is the main uh, theme of the conference? Why is that? All right, and then we've got the dinner, and if we go to the next slide, uh, this is how you register. There's pamphlets out there on the barrel in the foyer. You can grab them, you can use that QR code, you can go online there. And the other thing is that if you perhaps aren't comfortable to go online, you're not used to it, Please just um, afterwards come and see someone over at that barrel. I'll make sure someone's there, maybe Matt Koenig. Um, <laughs> if you could just stand there, just in case there's some people that don't really feel, oh, I just don't know how to register online, QR codes scare me, they're of the devil or whatever. Um, <laughs> just maybe you can book the other way. Now, please, please, please register, even if you're coming to the events that are free. All the speaking is free. These are top quality guys. You're not paying to hear them. Um, so come along. Just but you register for each session, and especially for Friday night, um, because we need to know how many people we have to feed that come along. So it's all free, except for the dinner. All right? Come and invest in yourself, but invest in the Baptist churches of the Northern Territory and the kingdom of God together, all right? So registration closes 12th, which is next weekend. Um, yeah, great. All right, does that make it clear how to register? Yep, and you're all on your phone now, registering? No? Okay. Let's, let's uh, get into the word. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, you're so kind to us. Lord, even this morning as we sang about your grace and your freedom and the love that sets us free, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that your love would set us free this morning. Amen. Yeah. So I was moving yesterday <laughs> and um, my wife gets lead-infused furniture. That's what she does. And so we had some guys lifting it, four of us, three of us over 50. 
and a young fellow who brought down the median age, which was good. Uh, but we, we, we were moving this furniture and we got to the new house and had to set up the TV. You know, the most important thing when you move in? TV, right? Set it up. And it's interesting because as I was setting it up, I had to plug in this cord, that cord, HDMI, um, something else. I don't even know what it was that took everything, the, the video cord, the, you know, the other ones that have the coloured cords and the coloured things you put in. And then I had to ring the internet company because the internet wasn't up and because we'd moved, they have to reconfigure the internet and all this sort of stuff. And I was just laughing to myself and I thought, man, it was simple back in the old days. It was so simple. The, the, the TVs weighed a ton, mind, mind you, if you had any big TVs, but I remember going to set up a house once and I was freaking out because I was like, had a video player and I was like, which one's AV in and which one's AV out? And it was just the one sort of, you know, aerial cord that you stick in and I'm like, what if I get it wrong and the video player doesn't work? And I thought, how complicated life has got, right? It's not so simple anymore. There's a lot of things that we have to do and it took so long just to set a TV up in our house. And then it just got me thinking back to faith and, and just the simplicity of Christianity. Now, I understand we, we want to grow and, and know more about Jesus and learn more about the Bible and grow deeper in knowledge and faith. That's part of what we should do as a Christian. But sometimes that actually leads us away from Jesus. When Paul was writing to the Galatians, uh, sorry, the... Uh, yeah, Galatians once, he said, what's going on, guys? Who's come and bewitched you? Basically, who's cast a spell on you to, to make you forget about the grace that you entered into as a Christian? You were so free at, at the beginning, you know. You received the Holy Spirit, how? By faith. Not by all the things you did, not by all the, the complicated, you know, works you went through, the, the great deep study and, and all that stuff. Although, they, like I said, those things are important. What's happened to you is basically your, all your study, all your knowledge has turned you away from the, the whole essence of who you are as a Christian, which is this, faith in Christ. Faith in the grace that got you into heaven. Faith in the gift of God, the free gift of God that was given to you so that you could have eternal life. And now you've complicated your faith so much, in fact, so much that you're thinking, well, now I've got grace, I've got to bring all these rules into my life so so I can make it hard for myself to get to heaven. And I was thinking back to early church, for me as a, as a Christian, you know, back when I was young, we had things called overhead projectors, and you know, even, <laughs> even, even in, in Sunday school, we had paper flip charts. <laughs> yeah, that, those were the days. And, you know, you'd put your overhead projector on, and everyone would put it on upside down or sideways, and... <laughs> You know, <laughs> and then you'd be looking for the slide. What a responsibility. But I was thinking back to my faith and how simple it was sometimes, right? As simple as this. As, as I said, you know, the day I got saved, which was at Howard Springs Primary School through someone who was uh, doing a uh, movie called The Cross on the Switchblade. And the simple words that were spoken to me was, as I gave my heart to Jesus, went out the front, and they said, you know, this is what you do. Read the Bible and pray. That's my discipleship lesson right there. Read the Bible and pray. Simple as that. I took that to heart and did it. But the church that we used to go to in Howard Springs was down uh, sort of past Kulalinger on Wells, Wells Creek Road. You go down a little bit and it's still there today. If you look on the left there, I think there's a mechanic there, tin sheds. 
And we used to meet in there and it was like a tin shed, <laughs> concrete floor and we had a working bee and we planted the floor grey and it was awesome. Had fans, we had people that love one another deeply. That cared about each other. That when someone was away and they were coming back, someone had the keys to the house and filled up the fridge with milk and bread. There's this deep connection of heart. Now, it probably wasn't a perfect place, and being a kid, you know, like, it was actually booming at one stage. The Sunday school there was so big, um, just crazy. But there was no pastor at the time. Uh, There's lots of different churches, so it was multi-denominational, which meant that we had a Uniting Church preacher, an Anglican preacher came down, an AOG preacher came down, and I think they did one Sunday ourselves. And they'd come and share from these different denominations and we'd you know get the word of god i was just young but i loved it you know we sang scripture in song with you know not the most fantastic leaders but great sometimes they were good sometimes they weren't whatever but the heart connection was there and and as i grew as i kept going to church church became this to me it became just who i was not not as in my identity was found in church it was always in christ but it's like you know what what do i do I go to church on a Sunday, every Sunday without fail. Mum and Dad, you know, gave me that example, but I followed after it. Happy to do so. Um, I remember that AFL, I went to play AFL and they changed it to a Sunday morning, so I was just like, that's just not on. I can't play sport instead of go to church. That's not what I do. I I follow Jesus and I'm following him. So I'd go there and then um, actually at Don's church, they'd have the prayer meeting every uh, Tuesday night, I think it was, and, and my mate invited me, just go to prayer meeting, that's just what you do. There wasn't this big thought about anything, and it certainly wasn't a selfish thing, but it was like this gathering together of people that just loved Jesus, that had the same mind, the same heart, and saw God move in people's lives. Again, like I say, nothing was ever perfect, is it, ever? But out of that was this faith that grew inside of me and a solid belief that Jesus is the answer. Why? Because the people that I knew loved Jesus. They followed after him and they gave their hearts to him completely. And, and so my natural flow is to, to become that. And I feel like sometimes as Christians we start to lose that and we complicate our faith and and there's so many times when I'll meet someone who at first received the Holy Spirit by faith, but then they'll, especially today, they'll race off onto the internet and be led down so many paths that they become so involved and fixated on issues and doctrine and things like that, that you actually can't even meet with them as a Christian. They've lost their faith completely because they, they say, we know better, and sometimes they do know more, But what about what Jesus said? Love God and love others. That's pretty simple. You know, and we try to complicate this faith and we're going to look at Psalm 133 in a minute just about the unity that can come in a church that brings life. And I just want to end today talking just a little bit about the the chance that we have to actually make friends. And you will find that a lot of people that get swished away by all wind of doctrine, they stop loving people. In fact, the words that come out of their mouth are often this, 
Oh, they always do this. They always do that. He always does that. He's wrong. He preached wrong. She preached wrong. They said the wrong thing. That's not correct. And yet, no love. They don't really care about the person. They're starting to care about, am I right? Am I more correct? Is my T crossed in the right spot? Is my I dotted in the right place? And, you know, yesterday as I was moving, I was doing it with um, some good friends and some new friends. But I was like, what a robbery it is that we disengage from the community of God. What a tragedy it is that we live almost lonely in a world full of people. And my daughter sent me a link to a, a podcast during the week and they were talking about, um, w- with uh, not a causation, but an observation that with the internet, you know, people on average will spend two hours on Instagram a day. And what they were saying was, they're actually, the more time you spend on the internet, the lonely you are. Now, whether it's because you're lonely, you spend more time on the internet, I'm not sure. But what they're saying is this, so many people spend time investing in shallow relationships for people they've just met, people they're trying to impress, the person they met last night that you became Facebook friends with and you have to invest in that friendship. And they said this, and it just resonated with me, what if you spent two hours a day investing in someone with a deep tie? How different your friendships would look. How different your faith would feel because you're hanging around with other Christians. Hopefully, Christian friends that love Jesus just like you do. That you can start to share heart things with, but often we withdraw from that fellowship because we're scared and no wonder we are because the church sometimes lacks what we call unity. Dwelling together in unity, togetherness, going in the same direction, serving and loving our Lord together. So let's have a look at Psalm 133. It's just three verses. Now, where did I put my glasses? Did I have them? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, there they are. Thanks, Shannon. Couldn't see them because I didn't have my glasses on. Remember the first time I put glasses on, someone left them over in the hall over there, and I put them on, I'm like... Wait a minute, I didn't know you looked like that for someone. <laughs> All right, this is it, Psalm 133. So this is a, a psalm of David and for the pilgrims ascending into Jerusalem and what he's making is an observation of what it's like to actually worship together. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, or we could say unity. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. How beautiful that that little psalm is there and the picture that it brings of what a church and actually what a family could be like. We're just going to talk about each of these verses and just three little points. Number one, When they started to gather together in unity, sorry, it was something to behold. It wasn't just good, but it was also pleasant. You know how sometimes things can be pleasant, but they're actually not good? They can be bad, they can be evil even. 
But the, the sight of Christians that can actually dwell together is not just wonderful, it's also beautiful. The King James says pleasant. It's a place where you can come and rest and grow and be refreshed, not a place where you're struggling all the time. You know, all people love pleasant things, but it's not always good. But imagine a place where where people are dwelling together in unity and where people look upon it and they gaze with absolute wonder. In fact, what if they could sing a song about it just like David is singing here? People who are united together, family especially, but also Christians, should be united in the heart and aim that we have to dwell together. And inside of that, there's this mutual comfort. There's something that, that takes hold of our heart and actually warms it up, not makes it colder. Yet how many families do you know, not even churches, but just families that are ripped apart by fierce feuds? And when they do it, it's not pleasant, it's not wonderful, and it's definitely not good. What a picture this is to us, to see the church, the people of Christ coming in together. So imagine this picture as David seeing it, because we're we're talking about people coming in together like a pilgrimage into Jerusalem. We're talking about thousands and thousands of people walking in together, the families, the kids, they're probably, you know, the extended families, the servants if they had them, but there's multitudes coming in. I remember once going to a church, and it was quite a large church, but parking out in the car park and then walking in, and and around me I just saw cars parking all over the place, and it was like this constant flow of people into the church. And I was like, this is good. This is wonderful. Just to see people coming with this joy in their heart, and they looked excited, they were hurrying, they were, they were skipping some of the kids to get into the place of worship. Imagine that. The church of God living out as it should, where, where there's not feuding, where there's not fighting, where there's not people trying to prove a point, where there's not people trying to get their own way, but as they come together, they are gathering together to worship the King. And if we can get to this place of unity, we won't need to have uniformity. Because love will just cover everything. The differences that we have will start to melt. Because our hearts are united. For us as Christians, we should make it our aim. And and I think, yeah, I know the New Testament says, as much as possible, live at peace with everyone. It's up to you what's in your heart. And you know what, Christians? We should be dwelling together in such sweet fellowship and have that unity. Make it a priority to work together. And the closer we get together, the more of the good and the pleasant there will be as as when we jump down to verse 3, it says, you know what, Christian unity is good for you. It's good for everyone else in the church. It's good for the new Christians because they're not coming into this this fighting, vicious place where people are devouring one another. And it's good for the people outside of the church to look and see that this is a place of love. This is a place I can belong. This is a place where I can jump off 
Instagram and I can develop true, deep friendships with other people. Verse 2 talks about it being like this oil that flowed down Aaron's beard, that it dropped down on his garments until even the garments were soaked in it. Understanding that this oil was given, and and Aaron's mentioned because he's a priest, a high priest, dedicated to God, but but on that there's this anointing that flowed down not only over him, over his beard, and, and it went to places that it probably shouldn't go, to his robes and covered them and soaked them. And the oil that was used was perfumed. It had this great aroma that would that would invite people in and go, that is amazing. So it's not only the sight of these people coming in, but it's thinking, well, yeah, there's this smell, there's this aroma around these people of God that is just pleasant to be amongst. The attitudes don't stink, (laughs) basically. But the oil is a signification that's set aside for the special service of God, Jehovah. And those who dwell in love are so much better suited to that. And the Lord is very unlikely to use people for his glory who are devoid of love. How does that make you feel? How does it make you think? Well, let me tell you this that it's possible to be in that place. It's possible to let the love of God flow so much down you that it doesn't just touch your life, but it begins to touch the life of others. Just like the, the oil, even though it was on his head, of Aaron's head, it flowed down his beard, a place where it wasn't put, but onto his robes. The love of God as it is shed and, flo- and, and shown through the congregations of the believers gets into places that it never was intended originally. Because love flows down, flows down from God and flows through you to the hearts of others. So not just on the, on the people that this love has first been poured out, but also to others where it wasn't even sought. Verse 3, the Jew of Hermon, what does this mean? It's a mountain in Palestine, but what happened was the dew would form the, this cool vapour on the mountain and flow down onto Jerusalem to Mount Zion and bring a refreshing. And this is a sign when we get to unity of what happens to us with God. There's this refreshing that comes from the higher and reaches the lower. Full of life that causes plants to grow the plants of grace to grow in our life. So we have this amazing place of unity where people come in and they're starting to love and care for one another. We have this place where love flows, where there's a fragrance, a blessing that comes to us, but we also have this, a refreshing time, that when you're in the presence of God with brothers and sisters who are dwelling in unity, Verse 3 says that basically he commands a blessing. He commands a blessing. We're talking about the Lord of heaven saying, this place is blessed. Now I would put it to you that that's the place I want to dwell in. That's the place I want to be. That's the place I want to come to. I want it to be that when I come in on a Sunday morning and I do feel this way, is that there's a delight, there's a dancing in my heart Because I know this morning I'm being refreshed. God's visiting. And let me tell you, as a church, 
if we can get to this place where we are unified in our purpose to love God, to serve him, the blessing is commanded. Do you want blessing on your life? I want it on mine. So one of the things that we need to do is work on what we are thinking, what we are doing. Are we coming in with the same purpose and same mind to love and serve Jesus? Are you coming in with a purpose that this morning I'm going to open my heart in worship? Are you going to make it simple that this is just what I do as a Christian? You're not interested in coming in to prove a point. In fact, it must have been a problem throughout church history because Paul wrote and he says, when you gather together, men, lift your hands in prayer, not your fists in anger. Stop fighting for your rights. Stop thinking that you should have precedence. But humble your heart and enjoy the fellowship of the saints. So one of the things that I've really learned over time is that you need to just press into friendships. And you just need to be there. And you just need to love everyone. I'm going to read a few things out in a second about friendship. But I just wanted to look at another couple of verses when it comes to that. Okay, if we could just go to the next two verses. Romans twelve sixteen. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people because <laughs> we're just so special. Don't think you know it all. Why do you think this is written? Because we just seem to have this tendency to think that we know it all and we're above others. Even if it's not true. I love that. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Make a decision as a Christian. I am going to be friendly. I'm not going to rob myself of the joy of fellowship. And the next one. 2 Timothy 2.22 Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. (laughs) Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And that's just not good enough for us to be in a place where we don't want a fellowship with people because the hearts are not pure. Again, how simple is this? You know, just pursue, pursue righteous living. Live a good life, love people. Pursue peace. How often we pursue the fight rather than the peace? How often do we have to get our point heard and make things right in our own mind? just want to finish with actually some thoughts from a guy called Seneca. He was actually a philosopher, but when I read this, it just touched my heart because I was like thinking about friendship. Let's read a couple of, of, of uh, words from him. Let us 
greedily enjoy our friends. Because we do not know how long this privilege will be ours, let us think how often we shall leave them when we go on distant journeys, how often we shall fail to see them when we tarry together in the same place. We shall then understand that we have lost too much of the time while they are still alive. In other words, you know what it's like with your friends. Sometimes you leave and and they're left behind. Sometimes you're in the same place, but you don't get together. And we need to make the effort to say, you know what, I am going to catch up with my friends. I'm going to build and develop deep friendships with people. Because we should be greedy about our friendships. Greedily enjoying our friendships. Make the most of the people that are in our life. Don't waste it. And then this this next thought. Fortune has robbed us of one friend, but we have robbed ourselves of every friend who we have failed to make. That one struck me when I read that. And I was just like, if I don't take the opportunity, I'm robbing myself of the possibility of amazing friendships with people because I feel that I'm too good to spend time with these ordinary people. People I don't know. And yes, it's a risk at times. But I tell you that on the other side, the flip side of that is it gives you a rich and satisfying life. We all know it. We all know it. You know that old saying, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be saying, I wish I spent more time in the office. I wish I spent more time on Instagram. I wish I spent more time on Facebook. I wish I spent more time pursuing money, career, goals, sport, women, men, whatever it might be, on a shallow level, but we're like this. Where does your life pan out in the end? (laughs) I can tell you right now, guarantee 100%, if you have good relationships, you love life. You think about it. When do you hate life the most? When you're in conflict? When you're feeling unloved? When you're rejected? When your relationships are bad? Life absolutely sucks. But if you have good friendships, if you're living in peace and in love with other people, when you know you're loved, when you feel the embrace of others, how do you feel? Hey, you know it's true. You see the, the guy and girl that just fell in love. They come into the office. Yesterday they were horrible. Today it's like the world. The sun shines brightly. Brothers and sisters, how about we make it our aim to live in unity? How about we make it our aim not to fight about things that are unimportant? How about we just learn to be good friends? But the friends that are like that passage that says, those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So the first thing is sanctify yourself. Make sure that your heart is pure before God. I guarantee unity cannot come until you deal with those things inside of you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your love. Lord, I'm just reminded of simple faith. I'm just a Christian. That's what we do. We pray. We read the word. We gather together. 
We have communion together. We give into the purpose together. We just enjoy the company of each other. Just pray today, Father God, that a sense of unity will fall on this place in a greater way, Lord God, that, Father, we won't waste the opportunity to make friends, that we wouldn't rob ourselves of the friends that we could have had, and that we wouldn't hold the friends that we have now at a distance. But, Father, draw them close so that we can grow in Jesus' name. Now, it may be that perhaps you're not even a Christian today. You've come to church with someone, friend, family, somehow just rocked up. I just want to give this opportunity to pray with you this morning. Um, Do you know you'll never be whole until you find Christ? You'll never know love until you know Jesus. But this morning, I just want to give that opportunity for you to start that journey and just invite him into your life. Jesus died for your sin. And you need him to do that because you're separated from God because the sin separates. But he died, he became the sacrifice for you so that you can be close to God. You need it. This morning, if that's you, that you're just feeling like, I just want this closeness with God. I'm just going to pray a prayer. You just pray along with me and just love you to just talk to your friend, your family member you came with, or if you didn't come with anyone. Just come and catch up with me afterwards and we'll, we'll chat about what's the next steps for you to grow as a Christian. That's you. Just pray together this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would fill my life today. I'm sorry for all the wrong I've done. I don't want to be like this anymore. I'm hurt. I'm broken. But I just want healing. Come into my life today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. From this day on, I want to live for you.